honor to be here with you in the house today. Will we give God some praise? It really is an honor to be here with you. I believe that we have a divine appointment with God today. And uh, for those of you joining us online, it's an honor to be here with you in your homes as well. And so we've been in a series titled Travel Light for the last couple of weeks. And the premise behind this series really is that life is a journey. How many of you know that life isn't made up of moments? It's made up of a lifetime, right? And on this journey, we have a tendency to do the weirdest thing. We pack. But we don't just pack. We overpack, right? And in life, we go even further. We don't just pack and overpack. We carry it for the remainder of our lives. And that is not the will of God. It gets heavy. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And what will he give us? I will give you rest. He'll give us rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I want you to consider this. Let's pause here for a moment. That life gets heavy not in the midst of our circumstances. Oftentimes we obsess about what's happening instead of what's happening to us. What's happening in us. See, it's in the soul. It's what we pick up in the mind and the will and the emotions. It's what we carry for the remainder of our lives. The things happen, but some of us let it continue to happen to us because we relive it, we replay it, we stay there. And God doesn't want us to stay stuck there. It's for that reason that Jesus says to me, says to me and to you in verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is what? It is light. It's light. See, God never intended our lives to be burdened. We're supposed to travel light. And one of the heaviest pieces of luggage that we tend to lug around in life is this issue of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. It's one of the heaviest pieces of luggage that we pack. And it contains some heavy, heavy stuff. Unforgiveness entails many things. See, in, the, in, in this bag that we carry called unforgiveness, we carry a bunch of different things. We carry uh, erroneous beliefs, right? So let, let, let me just show you what I mean. We carry erroneous beliefs, right? And in this bag, we carry, we, we, you know, these erroneous beliefs are like a mirror. We look upon them and, and, we, and we begin to believe things about ourselves, we, be, we begin to believe things about life, and we look at life, we look at ourselves through these beliefs. These beliefs that we develop because we've been hurt, because somebody did something wrong, because something didn't turn out the wrong way, and we always see ourselves and perceive life the wrong way, right? So we carry this, this mirror, right, that, that mars how we view things and how we see ourselves. For some of us, we carry judgments, with unforgiveness and we don't just carry a gavel right we carry a sledgehammer because we're not just gonna hold we're not just gonna call you guilty we're gonna crush you right with our judgments right and for some of us we we go even a step further right we carry a receipt book right we carry a receipt book because we have logged in that book every single thing that everyone has done to us and we make sure that we log it and we are careful 
to take, to go to the extent that we, yeah, let, you did this to me, so make sure you pay me back for that, right? And, and, and you did this to me, so yeah, you owe me that, right? And, and you, oh, your bill, it, we got two receipts for you, right? Because you really messed up, right? And so we carry, we carry our receipt book, right? And then there's also our bitterness, which is like a crutch that we carry over time. And we lean upon our bitterness and we depend upon it because, you know what, I can't let you forget what you've done to me. As long as I remain bitter, nobody will ever hurt me again. Right? So we carry our bitterness. And then for some of us, we carry the heaviest of all. We carry people. Right? We carry people. And we don't just carry them. Listen, we arrest them. Right? We strap them down tight. And we think that we're keeping them trapped, but here's why it's so heavy. Because we carry them in our heart. No matter how far away, no matter how long ago, what they did was done. We carry them near and dear in our hearts for all the wrong reasons. And you know, there's a reason why Jesus says, come to me. There's a reason why forgiveness is so important. Because when you begin to forgive the way God calls us to, you think it's about setting them free. But it's about you no longer living heavy. It's about you traveling light. So I have a question. Is the weight of unforgiveness that you might be carrying for the remainder of your life worth it? Is it worth it? Does it work? Let me ask you this. Now, look, I, I recognize that the shoe doesn't fit for everyone. And thank God if you're not traveling heavy anymore. But the truth is that we all not only uh, have been offended, but sometimes we, 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 we will encounter things that do offend us. And we will carry some things that we don't need. Now, for you who might be carrying some unforgiveness, I have a question. What's your plan for that pain? Like, really, what, what, why are you holding on to it? What's your plan with it? What's the purpose for your tormenting thoughts? What, what, what purpose are they playing? Why are you holding on to them? This is where it gets real. Where is that hate that you harbor taking you? Right? Where, is it, where are you going with that? And let me ask you this. How is your bitterness making anything better? And so it's for that reason that God says to us in Hebrews 12, 14 through 15, continually pursue peace, listen to this, with everyone. With everyone. No one's excluded. We're to live at peace with everyone. We're to pursue peace with everyone. Well, pastor, they don't want peace. The question is, do you still want it? 
And so continually pursue peace with everyone and the sanctification with which no one w- with, without which no one will ever see the Lord. See, we're continually to be setting ourselves apart. That word sanctification means to be set apart as holy. And when you're set apart as holy, here's a key indicator to it. You're continually pursuing peace with everyone. In verse 15, it says, See to it that no one falls short of God's grace. Hey, the same way you receive grace, we're to extend grace. No one's excluded from the grace of God. That no root of resentment springs up and causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. So based on what we just read here, unforgiveness is the breeding ground from which many troubles arise. It's interesting that when the scripture talks about uh, many being defiled because of this unforgiveness, the Greek word here speaks of one who incites chaos among a crowd. In other words, unforgiveness, when we harbor it in our heart, what we are doing is we are agitating not just our life, but we're agitating everyone around us in life. We bring chaos. We create chaos. It's a ripple effect. And the scripture says that it defiles many. It contaminates. It stains everything around us. Therefore, God tells us to continually pursue peace with everyone. So if there's someone that you hold a grudge against, the problem is not what they did. May I say this to you with love? The problem is you. You know why the problem is you? Because you're not heeding God's wisdom with which he calls you to pursue peace. You're pursuing the wrong thing. Today I'd like to talk to you from the heart of God. I'd like to invite you to lean into God's word as we look to the topic, unpacking unforgiveness. We're going to unpack unforgiveness. It's time that you open those bags and let them go. It's time to unpack unforgiveness. Listen, when I was a young man, I had a lot of resentment towards my mom. I did not understand her. I didn't understand the rules. I didn't understand why she had so many expectations of me. Can I say something to you, young people? You may not like your parents right now. Good. Right now is not the time for you to have a friendship with your parents. Right now is... It's time for you to follow where your parents are leading you as they're pointing you to Jesus. If they were pointing you somewhere else, I would definitely say, yeah, buck against that. Fight that. But if they are pointing you to Jesus, if they are pointing you to what is right and good and true, then trust this, God is working in your life. So I had to unpack that unforgiveness. Let me just say this in general. If you've been lugging unforgiveness for any length of time, I submit to you that it's time to get rid of it. It's time to get it out of your life. Would you agree with that? And so one day Jesus was teaching his disciples and many others about God's kingdom. How it related to our lives, how it should impact our lives. And it led him to discuss how we should deal with this issue of unforgiveness when people do us wrong. And so this led Peter to ask a pressing question. Peter asked, how many times should I forgive 
my brother. And then he says, up to seven times? Now, Peter thought he was asking a really good question. He thought he was, he was approaching this right because, you see, in, in the Jewish culture till this very day, the number seven is a very powerful number. It holds great significance. It's the number that indicates completeness, perfection, right? And so Peter say, hey, Jesus, should I forgive my brother seven times? Because that should be good enough. And the scripture says that Jesus responded to him, Peter, I say to you, not seven times, but 70 times, seven times. Now, mind you, Peter's asking about one offense that continues to occur. And Jesus says to him, for every time that they offend you, forgive them 490 times more than the offense. In other words, no one is excluded from forgiveness. In Matthew 18, starting at verse 23, Jesus goes on to introduce a parable, one that we should be uh, paying close attention to. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, that's a lot, was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that, that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at that, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. Listen to how good the master was. He canceled the debt and let him go. He forgave all. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Notice that it's a lot less in comparison to what he owed the master. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Man, this guy got really, really bad. He began to choke him and he said, pay back what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay back all. Sound familiar? Yeah. Now watch this, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant listen to what he calls the one who was unwilling to render forgiveness of the debt owed he called him wicked you wicked servant i canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as i had on you in anger his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now I submit to you that we can all relate to this servant in this parable for two reasons. One, because everyone wants to be forgiven, right? Come on now, let's be honest. When you drop the ball, and you know you dropped the ball, don't you want forgiveness? Absolutely we do. We go to great lengths to seek it, or at least we should, right? So everyone wants to be forgiven, to have the debt of wrongs canceled so we no longer have to carry it as a burden, carry the shame, the guilt, the memory of it. 
we can also relate to this servant in that at some point we've all kept score on the wrongs waged against us. Hey, maybe you're carrying your scorecard right now. We want compensation and justice against those who have perpetrated wrongs. And my friend, I want to submit to you this for consideration this morning as we get started. That as long as you're keeping score, you will never win. As long as you're keeping score, as long as you're holding on to unforgiveness, you cannot win. You lose. See, it's a trap. It keeps you stuck. And so there are some things that we must look to in the scriptures for direction. And not just for wisdom from the word of God, but we must personally apply to our lives. And I'm telling you, maybe you might not be living offended right now. Maybe you might not be holding on to unforgiveness. But you will have the opportunity to do so, and you must be prepared to know how to deal with it. And so the first point that I want to submit to you here is that offense is an event. It is never a person. Let me say that again. Offense is an event, never a person. Oftentimes, when somebody wrongs us, we equate the wrong with the person. And we forget that it's something that happened that we continue to allow to happen to us. We carry it. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 6, the Lord Jesus says this, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Listen to what Jesus says if this is where we find ourselves. You hypocrite. Listen to what he says. It's hypocrisy. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So offense does not take place when someone commits an offense. Offense takes place when you become offended. Let's think about that for a moment. According to the words of Jesus, offense, unforgiveness, is a defect within us not within the person who perpetrated something wrong against us, right? It's something that occurs within us because it's inflicted by us. Notice what Jesus says. Take the plank out of your own eye. In other words, it's your choice to be free from unforgiveness. It's your choice to not be offended. It's your choice to not hurt. It's your choice to not live with torment. It's your choice to not carry the weight, to not hold people so heavy in your heart that just the thought of them disgusts you. It's a choice. That person may have done something wrong, but listen to what Jesus is teaching us. 
You put the plank there. You put the plank there. And if you put the plank there, then guess what? You cause the hurt that you feel. You caused it. Oh, but they hurt me. They made me mad. Nobody made you mad. You made you mad. You made you mad. Because you believed whatever you believed about yourself in that moment. You know, as Christians, according to the words of Jesus, offense is not part of our resume. Listen to this. We are not to be people that are offendable. Man, it got quiet in here. See, what's interesting is that when Jesus talks about the plank in our eye, he's talking about a beam. He's not talking about a little stick. He's talking about a beam. And you know what's bad about this beam? You know why he says take it out of your eye first before you even try to take the speck out of your brother's eye. May I approach you, ma'am, without hurting you? Right? Here you got a plank in your eye, and I'm saying, you hurt me. Let me, let me show you where you are. And you want to take the speck out of their eye, not realizing that you're so hurt that whoever you approach, you will only hurt. Wherever you go, you carry your plank. And it mars your vision, your judgment, your sense of what's true and right and good. You're not worried about what's the right thing to do. You're worrying about being right. And so here you go with your plank, and wherever you go, you go hug your mama, bam, and you pull, take her eye out. You go to work, and you hurt everybody around you. It's like that old saying goes, hurt people can only do one thing, hurt people. And so Jesus says, take it out of your eye. Your offender is not the person that did you wrong. Your offender is the plank that you put in your own eye. And I know for some of us, I, you, you have to say sorry. You have to make it right. You have to apologize. Let's talk about that for a moment. Do apologies have the power to heal the hurt in our hearts? They don't. I'm sorry never healed anyone. I'm sorry never healed anyone. Saying I'm sorry... Some, making someone feel so bad about what they did wrong, belittling them, them coming crawling and begging and crying and sobbing, that never made anything right. Apologies don't have the power to heal. Only forgiveness can do that. And here's the interesting thing. That power lies with you and me. It's in you. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. The next point I want to propose to you for application is that forgiveness and unforgiveness cannot occupy the same space. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. You can't be forgiven and choose to not forgive. There are some who are of the opinion that forgiveness is exclusive. 
It's exclusive to if I know you and love you. Because I know you and love you, I'll forgive you. Because I care for you, I'll forgive you. There are some that believe that forgiveness is circumstantial depending on the gravity of what this person did. And the question that Peter posed and the response of Jesus, both one and the same, give clarity to the extent of how we are to forgive. How we do this. It's interesting, but Peter asked the question, how many times should I forgive my brother? And that word brother there in the Greek is translated, it's the Greek word adelphos. While it can include someone who's kin of relationship, the emphasis in the Greek is on any fellow man. Anyone. In other words, if we're going to use relationship as the basis for forgiveness, it has to be based on our relationship with God. Because God loves everyone. Let me say this to bring this point home. When God decided to forgive, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. See, forgiveness is available for everyone. That should be the same for us too. And as such, because we are in relationship with God, we cannot be biased towards anyone when it comes to who we're willing to forgive. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 starts off by saying, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Is there anyone in this house today that can give God some praise and say, Thank God that I am chosen by God, that I am holy, that I am dearly loved. Man, I am so excited that you praise God for that. Because you're also going to praise God for what comes with it. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now go ahead and give God some praise if that's true for you. I don't know, for some reason I feel like it got a little bit less intense with your praise after we read that. But if we're going to claim that blessing, that anointing, that calling upon our lives as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. My point is that we must clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. We must bear with each other and forgive one another if there's a grievance that we hold against anyone. It goes on to say, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Verse 14, I want to read that. If we could just put that up. It says, and over all these virtues, watch this, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. My friend, when you cling to unforgiveness, you take off love. It's not even part of your makeup. It's not part of your attire. It's not part of your armament. 
It's not what you carry and bring wherever you go. Why? Because to hold on to unforgiveness is to also to let go of love. And they can't occupy the same space in your mind and your heart. Therefore, to live with unforgiveness is to reject our own forgiveness. Why? Because as people that have been forgiven, forgiven by God, we're called to forgive to that measure. Hmm. And so it's for this reason that God instructs us to put on love, which makes compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness all work together. You can't love God and not forgive others at the same time. They cannot coexist. So how do we get to the point of breaking free from our attempts to love God while not forgiving others? How do we do that? And I submit to you that the reason why we struggle in that area, if that's you, is because we don't understand that true forgiveness is not an act after the fact. True forgiveness is a decision of the heart with which we enter into each moment. Let me put it to you this way. Do you get dressed before you leave the house or after you leave the house? Right? Always before, right? You always dress before you leave. Before you go to work, you dress up. Before you go to school, you dress up. Before you go to a party, you dress up. Before you go to church, you dress up. We love you, but please come dressed. Right? My point with that is this, that when the scripture talks about clothing ourselves with love, it's talking about doing something before we ever enter and engage in any realm of life. You must make the decision to love before you are ever offended. You know, I love my kids, but I'm thinking about my grandkids. Let me give you a piece of advice. I've heard, I used to hear, you know, that your love for your grandkids is a whole nother story. It's a whole nother level. I never thought I could love more than I love my kids. But I love my grandkids on a whole nother level. I really do. Listen, I love them so much that before they make a mess in my house, I've already forgiven them. I love my grandkids so much that before they catch a little snotty attitude and get into their temper tantrum, I've already forgiven them. Oh, but Pastor Jose, that's a child. Can I tell you, when you love to the extent that you decide before you even find yourself in a position to forgive, that you will forgive? When you, when you say, when you already love a person to the extent that it's like, look, I love you, whether you are at your highs or at your lows. I love you so much that no matter what comes our way, nothing can separate us. No height, no, no depth, no width, no length. That's the love of God. That's how we're called to love. See, when you love people that way, it's impossible to become offended. Why? Because you've already decided that you will love them regardless. And that person that gets on your nerves at work, they're not the issue. You are. That wife that you complain about so much, that husband that you nag about, that person in church that you don't want to sit next to and you, you act like you're 
you're, you're going the extra mile to praise God. My friend, they're not the issue. You are. Because you're walking around naked thinking that you are clothed with the righteousness of God. You're naked. You're exposed. You're subject to harm. You can't become offended when you've already chosen to love someone, is my point. Which leads me to my next point. Forgiveness is never, it's not for others. Forgiveness is for you. Listen, after sharing with his disciples the wisdom contained in his example of the, pl the plank in one's own eye, the Lord Jesus makes a statement that if you read it at face value, doesn't seem to fit with what he's saying. He says in Matthew 7, 6, after sharing this, this analogy of a, a plank in your own eye, he says, do not give dogs what is sacred. He says, do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. In context, here's what Jesus is talking about. The wisdom that he had just shared and he shares with us in these verses is this. Don't hold on to anything. Get it out of your sight. Get it out of your heart. Get it out of your life. Get it out. That's the wisdom. That's the pearl. And he says, don't take this wisdom and now cast it as if you were to pigs. Let me tell you what he's talking about. Pigs are always hungry. And if you take pearls and throw it at them, they will rush to eat those pearls. But when they realize that they are not food, those pigs will become enraged. And he's saying at that point, they'll turn from the pearls to turn on you and tear you apart. So what Jesus is saying here is this. Don't take the wisdom that I am giving you and throw it away. Because in the end, if you throw it away, if you don't do this, it'll only tear you apart. Here you are trying to hurt somebody else because they hurt you, not realizing that the only one you're hurting is you. So when you hold on to unforgiveness, it reveals that there's something more wrong than you than the person that caused the initial offense. When you wait for someone to admit they're wrong, my friend, what you're doing is you're placing your future outside of the hands of God and what he's called you to do with your own hands. Why? Because in reality, no one is no longer hurting you. You're hurting you. You're destroying your future. I want to leave you with one last point here as we come to a close. And it's this. It's that you can't give what you don't have. Forgive yourself. You can't give what you don't have. Forgive yourself. What's my, what, what am I getting at? Sometimes the reason why we can't unpack unforgiveness is because we haven't forgiven ourselves. We haven't forgiven ourselves. We assume the role of judge, jury, and executioner. 
Oh, but you don't understand all the things that I've done. You don't understand how many bridges I've broken. You don't understand that the reason why my kids aren't in my life is because of everything that I did. You don't understand that the reason why I'm alone is because I've hurt too many people too many times. You don't understand all the havoc that I've wrecked in life. And to you, my friend, I would say this. You don't understand what forgiveness is. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says this. We didn't put it up on the screen. It's just something that I wrote down for myself. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. There is no sentence of judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what the scripture says. You're not guilty because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Condemnation leads to sin and death. Condemnation leads to sin and death. Let me say that one more time. It leads you to what is deadly, what is destructive, what is sinful, what is wrong. When you hold yourself guilty, when you cling to shame, when you don't let yourself off the hook, what you're saying is, God, your forgiveness is not good enough. And how could you ever forgive someone if you can't first? Forgive yourself. Let's stand here today. I bring you good news today. Jesus said that he came to set the captives free. My friend, unforgiveness is not yours. It doesn't belong to you. Listen, he came to announce freedom to captives. Listen to what Jesus came to do. He opened the door and he says, you are free to live forgiven and to freely forgive others the same way you yourself have been forgiven. Is there anybody today that can thank God for his forgiveness and thank God that we now have the privilege to be a vehicle by which he extends forgiveness to others. Somebody needs to hear this today. You want to travel light, it's time to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, your goodness. Your word says that it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And with that same goodness by which we can turn around, Lord, we now choose to extend your goodness to others. I'm telling you right now, some of you are thinking about that person who offended you. But you must realize that you're the one holding the offense. You're the one that is the offensive one. Because you still believe that you have a right to hold them accountable. My friend, you don't sit that high in the spectrum of eternity. There's only one king on the throne. 
and it's not you and I. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, the scriptures say. Don't assume the right that belongs to God as your own. Free yourself and live on the journey of life as you travel life. Father, thank you for what you've done in Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness and thank you for the truth in your word. Today, Lord, we open our hearts. We open our minds. We open our lives to be an example, a channel by which forgiveness flows freely. We acknowledge and we realize that as we forgive, Lord, we most resemble you. And so, Lord, we choose today to forgive, to let go, to travel light, to be free. If there's anyone here today, and as you join us today, whether you're here or you're online, you've never made the decision to accept the forgiveness of God. Here's what I mean by that. You try to achieve forgiveness by the good things you do. You work really hard at being a good person. But you never allow the goodness of God to cover you from your sin. To cleanse you from it, to forgive you. The Bible says this, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. But what I love about that scripture is this, that it tells us that that's the manner in which God demonstrates his love. My friend, God loves you. He loves you so much that he forgives you before you could ever say, I'm sorry. So forgiveness has to be received. See, that's the issue with sin. None of us can make up for it. None of us can undo it. None of us can clean ourselves of our mistakes. No matter how many times you say, I'm sorry, no matter how many offerings you give, no matter how many good things you do, none of it makes up for it. Only one thing makes up for it the blood of Jesus. And thank God that he gave his son to die on a cross and rise again because it gives us good news. You can rise too. If you believe that today with us, join us. Raise your hand in this house if you're accepting Jesus for the first time. If you're making him your Lord and Savior. If you're saying, I accept your forgiveness and I choose to forgive from this day forward. If you're online, send us an emoji, send us a message, let us know. Pray this with us. Let's join together, congregation. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you love me so much that you paid the price for my sin. And you rose again from the dead so that I can rise too. This day I declare, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And I thank you for a new life. I'm traveling light. I'm living free. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. 
Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.